Hello, friends. Welcome to the Angels and Awakening podcast. I'm your host, Julie Jancis, and let's just dive in again today because we have so much to talk about. Um, I had a podcast listener who you're going to hear uh, from in the second half of the episode. Her name is Divya. She wrote in and she said, Julie, as a as a brown woman, I want to hear more stories on your podcast, just like you share angel stories on Thursdays. I want to hear stories of the ways that black people have in experienced racism, the way that brown people have experienced racism. Can we share those stories? And I said, yes, absolutely. So uh, this episode is very long because in the beginning, I want to share a few words with you. And then the second part of this is having Divya come on along with another um, podcast listener. Her name is Denise. She is a doctor down in Texas, and she's going to share her experience of racism and how it has impacted her life. Now, why are we bringing this to your attention? It's not just because of everything that's happening within the world. This is part of the shift in evolutionary consciousness. What we are experiencing right now is the most rapid rate of growth within the collective human consciousness expanding. And my friends, I am just going to be blunt in this podcast and I'm going to say that I have been really disappointed by a lot of my spiritual teacher colleagues that are out there on Facebook who are just promoting positivity, who are just promoting love and peace and living in this high vibration and not putting out there that we have to be taking actionable steps. We have to admit that there is a problem. So I'm going to read to you from Facebook something that uh, somebody else posted. I'm not going to say their name. They actually uh, blocked me and deleted me, but I uh, took a picture screenshot of what they posted and then my response just so that you could understand because this is happening a lot right now and I want to explain it to you so that you can see it for yourself and so that you for yourself can make an informed free will decision. So this person on Facebook wrote, choosing to focus on the good, anything good, versus resonating on all of the bad can change so much. What we think about, we bring about. This is America. We have a virus, but 99% of those who contract it will survive. We have some racists, but 99.95% of people you meet are colorblind and don't have a racial bone in their body. Folks, I thought I was one of those people, um, but as you're going to hear in today's episode and Thursday's episode, I am really taking a deep dive into how my silence and my passiveness has contributed to a system that holds up white privilege. Um, we, she goes on to continue, we have some bad cops, but 99.995% of the law enforcement personnel you encounter would risk their lives to save yours. If you choose to see evil, then evil is all you see. That's not true. 
She continues, as for me, I choose to see the good in people. My heart is full. I've got nothing but love for you all. Friends, this is what is being called spiritual bypassing, where you just want to believe in the law of attraction and positivity and high vibration and being in all of that and not seeing or acknowledging that there is a problem. And when you do that, my friends, healing cannot begin. You cannot have a population of people heal within themselves if we are making them feel that there is no problem. Has anyone ever made you feel crazy for something that you experienced in your life? I know that I have time and time and time again. When I saw my dad cheating on my mom, not once, but twice. And he tried to talk me out of it, right? Or he tried to shut me down, that that wasn't real, that I didn't see what I saw. I did. I absolutely did. But my healing could not occur because he withheld healing from me. He withheld my healing process from me by denying his actions and me seeing them made me feel crazy. And that is what we are doing to our black brothers and sisters. So what I responded to this person who is a spiritual teacher, I would not have done this to, I think, just anyone because there is a lot of misinformation out there, but where there are teachers who are teaching other people and who have big followings, I am going to speak up and this is what I said. Being colorblind is part of the problem. How can our black brothers and sisters heal if we as the spiritual community do not even acknowledge their hurt, their pain? When we do not acknowledge that there is in fact a problem, and there is a problem, but your post of positivity bypasses that. If 99% of pilots were good at landing planes and 1% of them crashed, I wouldn't feel safe flying a plane. Side note, I got that one from Chris Rock. But I continued. From one spiritual teacher to another, your post is spiritual bypassing and gaslighting, and it's a huge part of the problem, that you're actually encouraging others in your base to do the same. As spiritual teachers, we must educate ourselves on spiritual bypassing and how hurtful it is to the black community. My message to my base has been feel love, pray for peace, but only while taking action in the way that you feel called by spirit. So I want you to just soak that in for a minute, okay? Where in your life has somebody made you feel Like you're crazy. And I've worked with a lot of clients who are women who have had husbands or boyfriends who have been cheating on them and have been made to feel crazy because they say, no, it's not happening. It's not happening. It's not happening until they have the proof. And when they have that proof, they feel validated. They feel seen. They feel that they can have closure within their hearts because they're they're not crazy. That they saw the proof. 
that what they knew the whole time was really in fact happening, that there was a problem. And so I need you to see the correlation here and how when we say all lives matter, when we say just keep your high vibration, just pray, it's not enough. And I am not going to sit here and encourage you to be pushing yourself out of your comfort zone on social media. If you are a person who isn't typically on social media and you don't want to challenge things there, okay. But we can do other things as you're going to see in this podcast. There are actionable steps that you can be doing in the privacy of your own home in order to educate yourself. And my friends, I am not an expert in this whatsoever. In fact, as you hear in today's episode and the one that we recorded in Thursday's episode, I don't feel confident speaking to these matters enough yet because I haven't been educated enough. And I'm going to work on that because I'm going to show you in this podcast episode my action steps, the the plan that I am taking to create change within my own life. Friends, this evolution of human consciousness isn't just happening on a mass consciousness scale. It's happening within us individually. And what I had happen was spirit, as I've said time and time again on this podcast, spirit leads me through things so that as they open me, I can show you and allow you to see from what I'm speaking, what I'm showing you that I am seeing and feeling within my vibrations, within my body, within my thoughts and my egoic mind, that you can identify and resonate with that same um, vibration and thought system within yourself. And what happened this week is after the podcast episode Monday, I reached out to my only black friend who I just met this year. Um, I have had black friends in the past, but have not kept in contact with them. And so I reached out to this friend and I said, do you live in fear every day? And she said, you know, no, Julie, you just get used to it. And then she went on to tell me story after story after story after story that I put in the blast email that I sent out on Monday. If you're not getting the angel message Monday, you really should. It's awesome. Um, sign up on the homepage of my website, the angel medium. Um, and then she said, you know, Julie, I learned that when I go into Target or Walmart or different places, I learn to get in and get out for the things that I need because while I'm in there, it's so uncomfortable that people are looking at me as if I'm going to steal, that sometimes people follow me around as if I'm going to steal, steal. And this is a black woman in New York City. And my friends, my ignorance runs so deep that I literally said to her, you know, what do you mean in New York City? Like, this happens in the South. This doesn't happen in the North. And she goes, Julie, racism is everywhere. And I realized 
beyond a shadow of a doubt how little I knew and how much spirit was trying to wake me up. And so I have dived deep this week and I've learned a lot, but I want to start by saying I'm sorry. I want to start by saying that I am so sorry to any podcast listener, any person in my life who I have made to feel as though I have spiritually bypassed your feelings, have had ignorance about racial issues and have made you feel a particular way because of my ignorance or my silence or my passivity in those areas. My friends, every one of us has free will and I have the unique perspective of being a white woman who has been at family parties, who has behind the scenes seen people say racist things my entire life and it shouldn't have taken this to wake me up. It should have just been the first racist thing that I heard in my family in order for me to go out and self-educate myself so that the next time I heard that, I would be able to say, wait a second, and to fight that issue on the spot, to debate that issue on the spot, or to shut it down. Not even debate. Let's say shut it down. But I never took my free will choice, my time to go do that, and that was wrong. So to anyone that I have ever hurt, I am so sorry. I want you to know that going forward, I am committed to doing better, to learning, to growing. I am committed to hiring people of color to be on my team. I am committed to paying to take classes and learning um, by taking courses with black leaders. With black leaders. Friends, my heart just broke when I realized and looked in the mirror and saw that I have not had one black person on the podcast in the year and a half it has been running. And that is so wrong. I'm committed to changing that. It should have been changed long ago and have been different from the beginning, but it will be moving forward. I'm committed to understanding spiritual bypassing in more depth so that it is not allowed to occur within my teaching space. I'm committed to speaking up. I'm committed to not closing my eyes again, to learning, growing, unlearning, growing for the rest of my lifetime. And my friends, this is what I suggest to you at the end of the podcast, but I really hope that you make the commitment like I'm making to to take better care of your body and to rest when you need to because I know that I need to do that in order to be fully charged and to be the best ally that I can be. So those are some of the action steps. That is the way that I That is the action plan that I am working on right now. Uh, I forgot to mention too, monetarily donating and supporting black businesses. That is a priority of mine as well. Um, I also want to dive into what I've learned. 
I have learned that a lot of white people have been going to black people this week and asking them to teach them everything that they know. Friends, the black leaders that I see talking on Facebook, talking on Instagram, they are so exhausted. They are so tired. And why are we going to them, asking them to teach us for free? There are women, black women out there who have created courses for us to take where they teach us everything that we need to know. We need to be self-educating and there are so many programs out there to do that. I'm going to list them at the end here. I learned about what it is to center that white women tend to center a lot around the topic of race with I statements, how they translate it back to I or I or I or I and um. What we need to do is keep the focus on the healing of the black community instead of tying it back to how it revolves around our lives. Um, And to be completely honest, I want to dive into that more so that I understand more about it because I don't right now and I want to learn more, which I know I'll do by taking one of those courses. And friends, some of the courses that I found are about $50, $55. It's amazing. I mean, there's so much information on YouTube and podcasts and the information is out there. It's simply the free will choice. Are you going to invest your time in growing your spirit in this way? Growing your humanity in this way? I also learned about the white savior complex, which uh, I want to dive into more and more, but you can kind of think about it as when um, white women show themselves with black children where that they've been donating or volunteering and that they're posting it on social media. You know, it's not about getting a gold star, a pat on the back or the kudos, Um So we don't share it on social media. I mean, these are private things that we do to help. And when we share it on social media, it looks like we're trying to go out and save everyone. And it's harmful. It's harmful. So I want to learn more about that and dive into it at a later time. Um, But I want you to know that for that reason, on uh, social media, You'll notice that I didn't respond to those who praised me for speaking out this week. It wasn't that I wasn't grateful, um, but I'm not doing this work to hear myself talk. I'm doing it because there is a problem and my silence and my passiveness has helped to uphold a system of white privilege that I've been a part of, that I have deeply benefited from and it's not right and I want to be a part of the change so it's something that should have happened years ago and just as a child doesn't get a pat on the back for doing their chores that's a contribution that is expected my support me going out and self-educating myself should have happened years ago it should have been expected but I didn't do it and I'm sorry for that And I'm showing up now, I'm here, I'm committed to not closing my eyes, educating myself, and doing so to educate others as well. As we 
have grown together within this podcast community. There is a lot of talk about feeling good all the time. And there's a lot of talk about high vibration and shifting out of the vibrations of the physical body to live in the vibrations of the soul. And I do believe that there's a time and a place for that, but that time isn't right now and that the conversation needs to change in order for healing to take place. Because think about it this way. Have you ever done marriage therapy? It doesn't feel that great, right? Like I've been in marriage therapy for four or five years now. And when you're really struggling to find that healing, there are vibrations that are lower that you're tapping into. It doesn't feel good. It's uncomfortable. It's frustrating. Sometimes you feel anger well up inside of you. You don't feel heard. And in order for healing to take place within ourselves, in order for healing to take place within the black community, in order for healing to take place within our country and within our world, In order for this healing to take place, we must expect and we must allow ourselves to go to that uncomfortableness because that is the place that we're able to look at ourselves. We're able to do shadow work. We're able to do mirror work. And it's not about going to a place of shame, but healing comes from digging up the dirt within ourselves, truly allowing ourselves to see what the egoic mind didn't want us to see. And what spirit just whispered in my ear is that doing this work allows us to see where the egoic mind has been hiding within us and controlling us subconsciously. That's deep. That's powerful. That's the work that we need to do. So this has been a week of deep personal growth that I'm going to continue. And if you're wondering, you know, Julie, what can I do? If you're looking for a roadmap or action steps on how you can learn, how you can grow, how you can do better... I want you to write down these names. There is a woman named Lee C. Cordell that is on Facebook, and she is absolutely amazing. She does a lot of Facebook Live videos, and I have just been learning like crazy from her. Um, There is also Anita Garza. She is an improvement psychic and a huge empath who is on Instagram and Facebook. Um, I really see her as a healer and spirit is so working through her right now. I see it in all of her posts, just how much healing she is emitting from her light vibration right now. I mean, she's just radiating it, radiating it. From herself and you can see it you can feel it I've been listening to three podcasts that I really recommend I've been listening to sincerely Letty 
Um, I've been listening to Check Your Privilege co-conspired conversations with Maisha T. I've been listening to That's Not How This Works with Trudy and Wheezy. Now, all of these women, you can follow them on Instagram. They've been doing live videos and teachings to help. Follow them, subscribe to their podcasts, rate their podcast five stars, take their courses too. These are the women that I was talking about that have created courses for you to learn about unpacking white privilege, what that means, unlearning what we were taught that were lies, just straight out lies, and the stuff that we were taught that was wrong. And you really want to think about learning. You know, we need to learn for ourselves. But those of you who run a business or who, or who are a leader in a business or who want to be a leader in a business, you need the info that they have. Um, and you can't expect it to be given for free. We need to financially support black businesses and specifically these women who have spent so much time um, putting together an educational curriculum for us to unlearn what we've been taught and learn how we can do better. Now, I did not get permission to read all of their names, but I've reached out to a couple and I am reaching out to all of these women over the course of the next week um, to see if these beautiful, amazing souls will come on the show at a time when it works best for them. I know that uh, as I've been listening to them, a lot of them are just overloaded, exhausted right now. They've been doing so much and I wanted to give them space this week, but I also don't want you to miss out on learning from them. So please, please, please go check them out. I also wanted to say that even though I have hosted a podcast for a year and a half now, Friends, I am still learning how to use my voice, how to stand up to people in my life. And the women that I mentioned, all of them and their resources, uh, the websites for you to go to to visit them are in the show notes. But these women that I have mentioned, they've shown me more about what it is to speak up than ever before. And I am so beyond grateful to each one of them for really just being who they are, the beautiful souls that they are, and so grateful to them for teaching me because I love this new voice. I love speaking up. And this is only the beginning, my friends, but they're showing me the way. And I'm really excited about that. So I wanted to thank them for that. I also want to thank Denise, Stephanie, June, and Divya for being on the podcast. Kim, thank you so much for putting together a list of resources for parents to talk to their children about race. Uh, That list of books for children is on the Facebook group. Stephanie, thank you so much for putting together resources for adults to self-educate. And Andrea, thank you so much for being my spiritual healer this week. I love all of you and so want to just use this platform to elevate your voices. Again, information on all of these beautiful souls is in the show notes. 
Okay, friends. So without further ado, we are jumping into this episode with Denise and Divya, who are here to talk about how race has impacted their lives. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the show. I am here today with two beautiful women, Denise and Divya. Uh, Divya is going to be our co-host today. Divya reached out to me this week and she said, Julie, you know, the way that you have people on every Friday or Thursday to showcase an angel story. What you could do is have a person of color on to share their experience of racism and what they have experienced within their lives. And I think that's so important because as we've talked about earlier in this podcast, there are two camps of spiritual thought being set up right now. And one of those camps is to say, okay, guys, let's just live in the high vibration. Let's just live in love and joy and peace and let's pray, right? Those things are great, but when we don't pair that with action, what we're actually doing is bypassing Uh, And we talked about this earlier. So we're bypassing people's feelings. We're bypassing people's emotions. And my friends, true awakening can't start and true healing cannot start until we're willing to say, I want to see more. I want to understand more. I want to empathically feel what you have felt your whole life so that I can understand within myself um, what's really been going on that I haven't been paying attention to. It takes us as white men and women saying, I have been silent. I have been passive. And And it takes us being willing to see and to feel and to acknowledge that there is a problem in order for healing to truly begin and for change to truly begin. So we have Denise here today um, to share her story. We have Divya here to co-host. Divya, I want to thank you for being the person who brought this to me and and asked me to share these stories. I just want to introduce you. So tell us a little bit more about you, how you've been a part of the podcast community. Uh, Thank you so much for the opportunity. This is really an exciting, overwhelming that you want me to be part of this. So the way I found out about you is that I kept getting signs about going for a Reiki session and then, um, and then I Googled it and you live like 10 minutes from my workplace. And, um, so you were the first one that came up and I booked a session with you. And again, you said like you had, um, you do all the other things. So I did your Reiki session, and then you told me about your Angel Communications e-course on Facebook. Um, So I was very very interested in it, and I did that with you as well. And then that's how I got to know more and more about you through your podcast and all this stuff. Well, thank you for being here, and thank you for being a part of this community. I, I so appreciate you. 
Um, and thank you, Denise, for being here today. So Denise is also a part of our podcast community. She's been with us um, since the beginning, and you've been um, you've also taken the angel communication course. Uh, Denise, and I want to jump in. Um, tell us more about you. Um, well, let's see. Um, I am a mother. <laughs> I am a daughter, obviously, um, a wife, and happen to be a physician. Um, and I live in the hot state of Texas. Well, not the whole state, but it's hot where I am <laughs> right now. And um, I'm like on this path of spiritual awakening. I was very interested for some reason in angels. <laughs> and so when I went to um, look up podcasts, there you were. <laughs> and I started listening to the podcast and learning more about you. And I'm I really, really, really enjoy the podcast. Mm, and I'm learning a so lot. And I, I really enjoyed the the angel e-communication course on Facebook. Thank you. What kind of physician are you, Denise? Anesthesiologist. Oh yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Um, oh, I ask the angels all the time, like, come on, angels, help me out. <laughs> <laughs> help me, you know, take great care of the patients. Yes. We had to work a lot with anesthesiologists when um, Elle was in the hospital because she had a lot of surgeries after surgeries. Um, very important work. It's yeah. very important. And actually, I forgot to add, I did. I had a reading with you in December. Oh, yay. Yeah. So that was amazing. Aww, and like, you know, my angel team, and I'm really excited about that. Now I can connect more and talk to them more. And it's been a really wonderful thing um, to know about and mm. um, knowledge to gain. Thanks, Denise. Thank you. Of course. I appreciate it. So I'm so excited to have you here. Um, I want you to just share from your heart about the experiences that you have witnessed in your lifetime um, and the racism that you have experienced. And I'm so sorry as an individual myself for not recognizing this sooner because I felt at the beginning of the week kind of like an infant, right? Of just like, oh shit, I've been saying all of these things and then I'm reading White Fragility and then I'm listening to podcasts like According to Wheeze and I'm like, oh my God, I am saying all of the things that they're talking about and not to say like there's only racism in the South, right? Like it's not in the North and um, growing by leaps and bounds because that is obviously not true. Racism is everywhere. And those of us who have been silent and passive have been contributing to a system of racism that holds up white supremacy, um, that holds up white privilege. And just by seeing, uh, one of my girlfriends this week, she said, Julie, I learned to go in and out of stores as quickly as possible to get what I needed and to go out because people would look at me like I'm stealing something or people would follow me because they thought I was going to steal. And that's in New York City. And when we relate to things, because one of the things I love to do is just go shopping mm -hmm. and just spend time in stores, we can feel how lives have been changed. So, um, Tell us about your experiences, Denise. Okay. So originally I am from um, Maryland, and um, which is a, 
a really small state uh, and um, right outside of Washington, D.C. And the county that I'm from is like there's a large black population. So growing up with my family being from Washington, D.C. and me being in a county that was probably predominantly black, um, there were people all around that looked like me. It was, I was comfortable. Um, you know, my friends looked like me, my teachers looked like me. It was just, there wasn't um, a whole lot of racial tension to experience maybe in elementary school, well, through majority of elementary school. And um, I will say that once I got into elementary school around fourth grade, I was tested um, for, we called it talented and gifted or the tag. And that's when I first, uh, once I was accepted, everything changed <laughs> because I went from being in classes with people who were from my neighborhood to being in more diverse classes that were made up of um, children from other neighborhoods that came to that school specifically for the talented and gifted program. So I went from being part of the majority in a classroom to being one of two or three uh, black students in a tag course. And that's when you, that's when I really started looking around and being like, hmm, I'm a little out of place here. Uh, and just being in elementary school and um, kind of, even though no one told me, I still felt like I had to prove that I belonged there. And I mean, I was naturally a little nerdy, <laughs> so it wasn't, um, it wasn't like I had to pretend to be something that I was not, but it certainly made me realize the differences uh, that I was different in that setting. And from there, it um, it continued and it kind of divided my life into home life and being away from school and interacting with family and friends and then being in a totally different environment um, at school. And um, it was a little hard to navigate because there was always this sense of, am I going to be accepted? Should I be this person's friend? Would their family accept me? Would I be allowed over their house? Uh, just things that other people may not even think of that are of the majority may not think of. You don't have to worry, think about who you're becoming friends with or would you be accepted or um, what others may think of you so much. Um, and that didn't really change uh, all the way up through high school, I'd say. And I continued my education and went to a historically black college and university. And uh, obviously I was around majority other black people. And once again, very comfortable, but still all the way, always about my studies. And I would say that medical school was like a rude awakening for me because uh, I, recently, I looked up the statistics and I think in my class there may have been 150 of us and I would estimate that there were six black people. Wow. And that even, it, it's a reflection now. I, when I looked up the statistics, I looked at uh, the percentage, I think physicians, 6%, or maybe a little less, may have been four are African-American or black. So if you had a hundred people in a room, <laughs> that are physicians and you look, there'd be four to six of us. And it's always like a there in the background. Like even when you walk into, you walk to assess a patient, you're kind of like, um, are they going to trust me because I'm 
black? Like, do they, what are their thoughts? Um, because there, there actually have been times where patients have asked for, not with me, but my colleagues have asked to not have a black physician take care of them. And thankfully all of the, the institution d- would not accommodate them. They're like, no, we're not going to do that. This is your physician. If you would like to have surgery here, then this is going to be the person who's going to take care of you. Um, And um, luckily I have not had any blatant (laughs) uh, experiences with someone being out and calling me a bad name or trying to uh, just being verbal about things. I will say I agree with, like your, your friend's experience. I'm a physician. I make a good living and I still feel like when I go into a store, if it, depending on the store, I may not get greeted. I may not be asked if uh, I need help because I feel I have not asked, of course, but I feel that people look and say, uh, window shopper, like can't afford anything in this store. And then there are times where because of that, and it's all about assumptions, right? Because of that, I'm like, okay, they're acting like this because I'm black. They think I cannot afford things in this store and I will walk out and I will never patronize that business again. Mm-hmm. Do you feel going back to the part where you talked about um, being a doctor and somebody asking for a white doctor, mm-hmm. do you feel that there? I mean, there has to be, right? White doctors out there who give preferential treatment to white people versus black folks. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming that there are. I just think we take our biases and our stereotypes and everything else with us wherever we go. Yeah. And based on what their experience has been, what they have been told, whether it was in childhood or even into adulthood, I think that it can definitely carry over into how patients are cared for and which is part of the reason why it's um it would be nice to have more physicians of color whether because there is that bias whether it's recognized or not yeah i would definitely agree with that i mean coming from an indian community i'm sure you have faced out of the 150 students, we probably dominated by 50%. <laughs> um, I can definitely say that uh, within the Indian community, they trust Indian doctors more than white, than black. You know, I can, I literally heard people say that. I'm like, just because they're uh, black doctors, I cannot trust them more. And I'm like, what's the difference? They got the same education. Mm-hmm. And I know for a fact, like, I'm like, are you serious right now? Yeah. I, I know that. Yeah. It's, well, it's and I, think, I think that's a good point that you're bringing up Divya too, because I've thought so much about this last week um, being in the room, right. As a white person being in the room with family members and older men and hearing the crap that has come Mm -hmm. out of their mouth and being stunned and shocked. I'm sure like you were when you heard that Divya of what do you say and what do you do? And I have really come to the realization this week that yes, this is um, an individual journey of self-education to teach ourselves, but 
the reason that we're bringing some of these stories to the podcast is again, right there with what you said, Divya, you hit the nail on the head. We have to go back and we have to say, this has happened time and time again. And I've seen it and I've heard it. And I, I had no idea what to say at the time. Um, but we can listen, we can learn, we can find the tools to figure out the next time that we hear it going to get shut down right and that there it's there isn't going to be any more silence that there is going to be something that is said um i'm wondering oh yeah go ahead i think the big point that we need to make um people understand is that there are so many people that are still unaware that are not willing to listen they're not thinking that they're not part of this oppression or they're not being racist. Um, I think the big part is that listen to these experiences and how are you not part of it? And I think that is the biggest, um, uh, biggest reason why we need to keep talking more, make people feel more uncomfortable, see what they're doing and how is this affecting people of color, even the people of color are making people of color make feel uncomfortable, right? So I think it's it's very important for people to understand that and take a step forward like, okay, I will listen. I, and that, that will make people go oh, to go to the next step. And, um, you know, even if you are um, Indian, or if you're white, or Asian, or black, hey, what is it that you want to, you know, correct me with? How can I be better? I think that's the main reason why um, this whole um, justice for racism is happening. Denise, do you want to speak to that? Um, yeah, I will say one of the things that um people need to, what I would like for people to know is that I don't, for whatever reason, <laughs> there's this misconception that, oh, majority of Black people will receive public assistance and they don't want to work and they're sitting at home and they're having babies and they don't have to pay for the babies because the government does this. And it's, I don't know how it became so generalized. And that's kind of what um, other races kind of see. And then they, there's ties in, they think we're violent, <laughs> and they think that uh, we're not educated, and that I don't, there's just so many negative things associated with being Black or African American. Not very many positive. You know, you have uh, Asian population, and this may, it don't, I don't, it may sound stereotypical, but this is what people think, right? Oh, very smart, right? They're very mm-hmm. focused on education. Um, then other Um, Other races are known for other things, but I feel like Black people, it's majority negative. And one of the things that some may see as a positive is like, oh, athletics. And I have three boys and I've seen it just having my oldest son in um, in a school where he was obviously in the minority. And Every year for three or four years straight, when it was time to give out the awards, despite his performances in math, science, he had excellent grades. Every year he got 
most athletic. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, he is athletic and he does like sports, but this is school. Can we try to recognize him for something related to his performance in school and not kind of further this misconception that, oh, yeah, Black people, athletes, basketball, football, whatever, just things related to being athletic. Uh, that's one thing um, when it comes to having kids that kind of just uh, bothers me a little bit. It's like, no, they're, they're very intelligent. They're capable of what everyone else is capable of. Our priorities, there are hardworking African-American families. Uh, they're so, just like any other race that some may be low income and require assistance from the government. Some people of all races take advantage of the system. I'm not saying that that does not happen, but the generalization is what is not right. And that's where, too, we have to do our own individual work. And the spiritual bypassing of this hippiness of the love, joy, peace, and the high vibration, which is true, it is there. But when you go straight there and say that's all there is, you know, we're, um, the terms that come about, too, with spiritual bypass, the let it go, the accept what is. I'm sorry, it's a bunch of BS because it does not allow people to reflect on themselves and where they're contributing, even if it is being a teacher and giving an award for a bias mm -hmm. and, and not recognizing all of the other talents and skills within the individual. Um, I'm wondering too, Denise, have you seen any difference between Maryland? I grew up for a time outside of DC um, mm -hmm. in Fairfax County. And that experience was a lot different than living in Illinois. Have you seen a difference between, you know, growing up in Maryland and where you live now in Texas? I will say yes. Um, I don't know whether it was my age because I was younger when I lived in Maryland. And so maybe I was on in some sort of bubble, right? I'm like, hey, where's the next party? I want to go out. Um, and now I'm like a grown woman with gray hair and I'm paying attention more. But I will say that in Maryland, because uh, the county that I'm from is predominantly African-American. Um, and on top of that, it's not quite so Southern. I've learned that. I get, I, Maryland is in the South, everyone listening, okay? <laughs> It's below the Mason-Dixon line. So we consider ourselves to be from the South. But um, arriving in Texas and seeing how proud people are of to be from the South, and sometimes you develop your own ideas of what it means to be from the South and what rights are they're proud to have and what that really stands for and certain situations, it's kind of like we're outspoken. Uh, yes, we own guns and yes, we're going to protect our property. And sometimes it can come off as being not so inclusive of others. Uh, and it definitely feels different. You're putting and, it really nicely right now. <laughs> <laughs> it, it can Speak it as it is. 
it's very different. It's like there are some proud people in the South and in certain situations, they're not going to say everything that they're proud of, but you kind of feel like this is Texas. If you don't like it, so what? It's not, it doesn't feel like it's really about inclusion. And I will say that I will recognize my own privilege because of my profession and because of my socioeconomic status that I don't, I don't get the brunt of it, right? We're professional at work. We are taking care of patients. We, for the most part, everyone's pretty educated and you know what to do and what not to do. And I'm not in situations where people are just expressing their thoughts all the time and kind of letting me know who's in charge. I don't, I can't relate to that very much uh, because of my profession and because of where I live. I live in the county, you know, there's really nice houses and every, it's just different. Um, but I would say it's, it's still there. And I will, and also, so I have a friend that lives in a different neighborhood and reading the comments under different posts. Oh my gosh. Like I will, I will speak on behalf of my friends that are black you have to get off of social media. You will be fighting and arguing with people. You will be hurt. You will be angry. Um, just looking at comments. And these are from people in your neighborhood. This would be say something like a, a neighborhood app, right? Not even just Facebook, but a neighborhood app where someone can post something with the intention to start trouble. And you just look at all of these comments that are made that are very ignorant and it makes you realize like, wow, my kids go to school with these, with the children of these people who are anonymous on this app. And is this what they're teaching their children? And it's definitely, even in this, and I'm specifically speaking about in this climate with everything that's going on, it's all over the news. People still aren't empathizing and they're still making comments that express exactly how they feel. And it is just shocking that your neighbors with these people. These are the same people that probably ride by and wave and you know act like they accept you, but then you see that they clearly still have these thoughts of black people. Maybe so, you're an exception, but overall, it's not a good. Um, even overall. though you live on the same street for many, many years. Yes. And it's, it's a constant, it was, it was not even a good situation before the recent events. Um, like, okay, let me give an example. Say there was um, a group of young black kids riding their bikes. Oh, the, on the neighborhood app, there'd be, oh, there's a group of kids. I don't know if they live around here. Does anyone know these children? And my friends would respond to like, yeah, that was my son and his friends. We've been living in this neighborhood for 10 years. Like what, what is the problem? Or if they see a car, a black person driving a car around and I'm not familiar with this car. Does anyone know who that person is? Maybe the neighborhood needs a way of, um, of determining who should be in the neighborhood. And this is not even a gated section, but they'll describe the car and someone may say, yes, actually that is my, my husband. He's been living in this neighborhood and it's none of your business who comes in and out of the neighborhood if they're not doing anything wrong. So that existed before and it is just worse. It is just worse now. Yeah. Worse in worse now. Why now? 
um, because of the recent death with George okay. Floyd and um, so now that it's heightened, you're seeing even more activity on these neighborhood apps. Like oh, absolutely, and some people are they're trying to get a reaction out of people. Like the example that happened yesterday was um, a, someone posted, "Oh, does anyone know what the SWAT? There's like a SWAT team and some police cars in the area. Does anyone know what's going on?" Anonymous posts, and then people are under there. Oh, it's because of the funeral. And someone else may say, and they did say, oh, expect for cars to be broken into and um, and for things, property to be messed up. And, and it's just like, no, we are not very far from the, when I say very far, maybe 10 miles away from, I think, where the memorial or burial will be. But why are you assuming that because people are gathering uh, that, people are going to be breaking into cars. Like, we're not even in the city. We're talking about the suburbs. And there's just been a lot of comments like, get over it, I can't even get to work because people are protesting and just driving, just running them over or include, does that um, constitute supporting them? It's just bad. And you really have to unplug yeah. to maintain your peace of mind. I do think that right now, unplugging um, for some people is good. I think it's good for white people to see right now. And there was a post that I put up on Instagram and I will admit I was kind of, I had a shaky vibration as I was going to post this because I knew I was going to get a reaction. And I had probably, I don't know the exact number, but 20 to 30 people unfollow me just because of the post, which is fine. You know, I am up for this. If you're not aligned with learning and listening, um, we're not aligned anymore. And, and you need to find somebody else or come back when you're ready to grow. Um, but I put up a post and what was interesting was that the next day uh, CNN or NBC did a piece on this, but it was just all the police brutality. And I'm not anti-police. I understand that that's a hard job. Um, but the fact that there's so much aggression and CNN and NBC went on and they said, you know, this is hard to watch. This is hard to see, but it wasn't them just beating black protesters back. It was them beating back white protesters. And we all saw the video of them pushing down the 75-year-old man. But then they showed a map of the United States and they showed where videos that were similar of the same thing happening in Philadelphia, in Chicago, in Indiana, in California, in the South, that it was everywhere. And that it was blatantly out there. And I think we do have to be witness to these things that are hard to watch. They are hard to see because it opens up your mind more and more. And I live in a suburban town that's right outside of Chicago. So about 30 minutes on a good day with traffic outside of the city. Um, yeah, that's the truth. Divya knows because she lives in the city. <laughs> Two miles, 30 minutes. Yes, um, exactly. And Naperville uh, is the town right next to us, one of the biggest suburbs that's always raved about in um, different magazines about the U.S. There's Hinsdale, which is very high-end too. And I've got friends in both towns and was watching, 
And the amount of heinous things that were coming out of people's mouths that I am friends with on Facebook was just so shocking and so eye-opening. And I think you said it before, Denise, like if this is what they're putting on Facebook, what are they teaching their children at home? But then when you ask that question, Spirit said it goes deeper than that. Those of us who have been silent and passive, what has that been showing our children as well? And, mm -hmm. and I think they see it, you know, they see mommy and daddy don't have any black friends. Mommy and daddy don't have any Hispanic friends. They see that they're so observant. And what is that triggering within their own mind? Right. This is yeah. true. And I mean, I, I don't, it's hard with children because you be, you don't want to have them develop an issue like, Oh, should I be worried? But being black, I feel like I have to monitor. Like, is everyone being nice to you at school? Is anyone commenting because um, of the neighborhood I live in? My son is usually the only black person in his class. And so I, I'll ask and make sure because I want to make sure he's not bullied, but I don't, I also don't want to emphasize that he is different. <laughs> and it's funny because there's a large Indian population and he didn't know they weren't black. You know, because everyone comes in different colors. Yes. <laughs> so he, he didn't know. He just knew, okay, some people same color as me. It's awesome. So they're so innocent and you don't want to rob that of them. But you're also like mama bear and you want to make sure that no one is mistreating them. But unless you ask, sometimes you won't know. And thankfully, my, my kids have not had bad experiences not where I live, um, about people maybe making generalizations or making mean comments. Uh, so it seems I want to give credit to those parents who have not talked to their kids and maybe tainted their image of other races. Saying that where do you live in Houston or Dallas or I live, out, I live outside of Houston in Sugarland. Oh my God. My aunt lives right there actually yeah. <laughs> so i can see what you're talking about she yeah. has um she her students are like pretty diverse mm -hmm. there's choppers everywhere um the her students like the stories that she tells me she has indian students she has white students she has asian students and especially during this whole pandemic her she got like outpour of love of um you know being a good teacher and she was like my students are like they love each other they support each other mm -hmm. and they make sure like everybody does everything and i'm like that's what it should be you know that's what you should pass down to the future yeah I've had, a, I've had a really good experience with um i think the parents in this neighborhood um are very they're pretty welcoming and just friendly overall and i can tell right. in their children your your child may have my, had my uh, my aunt as a teacher, to be honest. Who knows? Yes. Yeah. That's so funny. Divya, what questions do you have for Denise? Um. So I would ask, like, um. Well, I was going to ask about the differences between the 
uh, states, which you already asked, mm -hmm. is there is there something that you would see a change right now? Like something that uh, immediate change that you would like to see happen? Um, I think it's kind of like what Julie has been saying, which is to not ignore things simply because it makes you feel better. Like videos are out there. Um, it exists and we can't just ignore it and then make an excuse about why someone was treated uh, poorly, regardless of their race. Right. It's right. like, if I don't care if that person in the video of Mr. Floyd, like if it was an Asian person, white person, it does not matter. That is wrong. Mm -hmm. And I think some people just kind of justify it, maybe because of biases, like I've said, people look, they're like, oh, black, he must have been doing something wrong. You know, he used counterfeit money. You get no benefit of the doubt um, oftentimes. And this is a longstanding thing where people just need to treat black people and recognize them as people <laughs> and to stop putting just generalizations onto people that kind of rob them of being human. Like right. no human should be treated like that, regardless of what they did, what crimes they've committed. Wrong is wrong and it needs to be recognized. That's the only way that things are going to change is to stop justifying poor behavior by anyone and recognizing that people are people and deserve to be treated with some sort of dignity and certainly not treated more poorly than an animal would be treated in certain situations. And that may just strike a nerve because of the history of slavery, which I've had to talk to my children about, <laughs> um, and how it took a long time for Black people to be recognized as human beings, people with rights, uh, the same rights as everyone else. I had a conversation with my nine-year-old just to talk about the history about segregation, not being able to go to the same school, same hospital, same restaurants, and not being able to ride on the bus while the white students were able to ride a bus to school. And so it's a lot of history that, uh, that comes up and contributes to why I think Black people aren't recognized as being just human beings sometimes. Some people still view us as being like animals and they will use that word in, in uh, comments and, and then it kind of triggers things if you say, oh, they're acting like animals. Right. That's not going to get a good response. No. Because if there was another race that was doing similar things, they may or may not be likened to animals. Right. Yeah. Do you worry that your children may not have the same opportunities as the other kids? Um, absolutely. I do worry about that. And then I sort of take it more on myself. Like my, my 14 year old attends a private school and I feel that the teachers don't communicate as much with me if they recognize an issue in the classroom. And once again, this is all me just developing my own opinion and assumptions because he's an athlete for one. And I feel like maybe they say, Oh, He's an athlete. He doesn't care about academics. He, they, he just wants a football scholarship. That's absolutely incorrect. Like, I want my son to succeed just like everyone else wants their children to do the best that they can, push themselves, have goals. I want to hold him accountable. 
um, or that it could be that he's an athlete. It could be that maybe they think, oh, he's just not capable of, capable of doing better. And so when they aren't, when my kids maybe aren't held accountable, I feel like it can stifle them. And then I have to come up with all these thoughts in my own mind about why a teacher would not hold him to the same standards or think he can accomplish the, the same thing as other students. And yes, that makes me worry that they may not have the same opportunities because of someone else's, because of an adult limiting, placing limits on their, um, how do I word it? Placing limits on what they can accomplish. Yeah. yeah. Which impacts their future. Exactly. Right. And, exactly. and I think it's important to go into the vibration here because when you said, Denise, that it makes you worry, it, it breaks your heart. And I could feel that. I could feel like the sink in my heart of just, uh, and, and when that happens, that's showing kind of the sink in your heart, right? Of just, um, you know, that feeling of kind of getting that pit in your stomach mm -hmm. a little bit. It's yeah. that your heart drops, you get that pit in your stomach. And I don't want to do any white woman centering, right? But I think it's important to teach where we can teach because all of this too is relating to the egoic mind, this mind that just chatters away all day long. And that's what awakening is, is coming out of this sleep that this voice within us isn't real. And when, oh God, I was tying that to something. Oh, um, and I don't want to do any white woman centering around this, but Oh, I was tying that to a point. You were talking about like the heart, like, um, well, like the feeling of being worried or yeah, being worried about him. Mm -hmm. How worrying will go far from spirituality. Yeah. Oh, I just lost it. Like it's so close and it's right there. You know, when you've got like that grass, I yes. feel like <laughs> no worry when you're trying to fall asleep, you're going to like, I got it. <laughs> yes. So I don't want to center here. Um, gosh, I had it. And then I for those, especially in those involved with children and those involved in, like I had some amazing teachers yeah. that just made me love school and make me think like, yeah, I am smart. And I don't want other kids being robbed of their potential yeah. because of um, limitations that adults are placing on them. Mm -hmm. um, okay. And so I just, I talk to them. I let them know that they're capable of whatever they want to accomplish. And I just try to, about it that way and I just keep them I hold them more accountable at home than sometimes I um, feel that they're being held to it at school right um, I definitely feel that this is something I had to combat on my own as well um, I am not I wasn't born and raised here I was I came here from India um, and I sensed immediate racism on my face when I was moved here. And a lot of that as a kid, you don't deal with any of that stuff. And you compound it, you compound it, push it, push it, push it, push it. 
to the point where when you're trying to understand yourself through the spirituality, through emotionally, um, I think it drives to the point where you feel like you do not belong anywhere. You do not even understand yourself is very hard place to be in. Um, as someone who's been on a spiritual journey and going through the awakening process for the last three, three and a half years, um, I think I had to unlearn, un, uncover the trauma that, that I have encountered myself through my spiritual awakening because I'm like, okay, I faced this. I have to accept it and move on. And same thing over and over again. And when I took your course, Julie, actually in December, I don't think I ever felt that kind of awakening ever. You know, that that was just, that was just, oh my God, moment. Um, I think, I think being in the situation where this is me being individually self-aware of myself, like, I cannot let this be my identity. I cannot let this be my only thing where people see. If I keep doing that, people are never going to see me for what I am. And I had to work through a lot of that. Did you um, find yourself, Divya, acting in a certain way to meet their expectations or the box that they were pigeonholing you into? Oh, definitely. I mean, I, I learned to compartmentalize between my family my friends in the outside world where I had to like, you know, uh, they call it a code switch. I don't, I don't know if you guys know about this. No, what's it called? Um, it's called code switch. Oh. So when I'm with my family, I turn on my Indian accent. I turn on, I turn off swearing. I turn off saying certain things. And then when I go to my professional world, I turn off some things and I, I go into the ultimate professional mode. Um, when I'm with my friends, I'm like, I don't care, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and I had to learn all this, how to navigate the world between, you know, how people view you. And and I just got really tired of it. I'm like, screw this. I'm not, I'm not for this. I can and, relate because, you know, same thing with me. I feel like um, it's hard to kind of know who who you are. I know who I am when I'm at home by myself, right? But regardless of how hard I uh, try, I still care to a certain extent what other people think, mainly because of my race. So if we are out at a restaurant, oh, my children, my children know, like, you're not going to be in here misbehaving. This is how you need to eat. You need to, they're very aware of what, um, what is considered to be like proper behavior, mainly because I don't want to perpetuate those negative stereotypes of how black people act. And mm -hmm. when if uh, maybe if a, a, white ch a white child is running around, <laughs> it would just be like, oh, okay, he's just hyper or, you know, he's just having a good time. But I feel like if my children were running around, it would be perceived differently. Mm -hmm. So I feel this, this like, um, you know, this responsibility kind of to my, my culture and just for me to present myself in a way where people would say, oh, look, you know, they're, they're well behaved. And I, I don't really, that's not my responsibility 
but I feel that that is what I do. Mm -hmm. Um, And certainly at work, uh, it's not as much of an issue, but definitely in public. Do you worry about them when they start driving? I do. And a lot of my friends, um, we have children uh, the same age and we are just like, we're worried. We're just, we, we have different conversations. It's not simply, oh, you know, don't speed. Don't make sure you, you use your turn signal. It's not that. It's not that simple and cut and dry. It's okay. If the police officers pull you over, then you need to keep your hands on the steering wheel. And we have a conversation with also about you're 14 now, but when you start driving, you'll be 16 and you may look like a grown man and they may treat you like you are a grown man and you just need to cooperate and you kind of have to use a little bit of scared straight tactics where it's like, listen, this, I don't want to introduce you to this, but this has happened in the past to people. So you, regardless of what you think you should not have to do, just do whatever the police officer tells you. And it even goes beyond that. Like my son, uh, an athlete, I would have him run around the neighborhood and I track him on my, um, the, there's an app. And so he has his phone. And so I'm, I've, I've seen him before, like take a break, which is normal, but it was like a little dark outside. And I had to call him on his phone and say, listen, you cannot stand there because if someone sees you standing there doing nothing, it's getting dark outside. Someone could call the police because you may look suspicious and it could not go well. So you need to keep running. I'm sorry. You have to just make it back home. And he went out on his bike yesterday and it was, you know, like the same thing. Just, I literally prayed. I asked the angels to to like, you know, protect him, make sure he made it to his destination. And it's a lot of, it's a lot of worrying that comes with it. And he's only 14. So I don't know what's it going. Exactly. Exactly. And there's this thing in our, uh, with the, uh, I've seen posts where it's just like, we see, I have a two year old and it's like, he's so cute. He's so lively. He's a little nutty. Right. (laughs) But I think he's adorable. And we just have this burden of knowing that at some point he's going to hit puberty. And all of a sudden, society will go from viewing him um, as adorable to threatening. So that's something that we just kind of have. We know it's coming. It's anxiety provoking. And hope we just have to do the best that we can to prepare them and to prepare ourselves so that we aren't worried all the time. And that right there where um, you're speaking from your heart and I can so feel it. And I hope that everybody who is listening can feel it from their heart chakras because um, so much of this work, and I mean, this friends, I'm not going to stop saying it. This is not a sprint. This is a marathon. This is a lifelong journey for all of us to learn, to grow, to listen, and to keep unlearning what we have learned before and to keep growing and to keep on learning. Um, so watch for that, that egoic mind, because I saw it yesterday. I've been trying to absorb um, as much 
as I could this week very quickly because I knew I was going to do another podcast episode about this and I just wanted to not sound ignorant. Um, so I, I watched um, Just Mercy. I don't know if you saw that one. Um, I wanted to. We were supposed to have, watch it for movie night. I'm looking forward to it though. It's, um, it's free on Prime right now. Um, some of the concepts in that movie of white men framing black men because they were um, disposable, nobody would notice that they were gone, nobody would fight for them, was not something that I had sat and truly contemplated before, right? And um, I have seen, I just in that movie saw my own biases just in men in general, because I feel like I have always been fearful of men. Um, and it, it took me watching that movie last night to see, because I've really only seen it in my husband. I think he's only the person that I've really let in in my life to see that men can be like teddy bears too. Um, that all men can really be like teddy bears. All men are human, just like we are. And um, because I don't have, I'm not a boy mom, I don't have boy to raise. And I just haven't been around a lot of men in my lifetime. So if you get the chance, it's free on Amazon Prime right now, but just mercy will make you feel and make you see. And it's very, very powerful. Um, I think it's important what you just said, Denise, that it takes more time to be a mom to a child that you're worried about, you're concerned about because of other people's perceptions and the systemic racism that is in people who are just unconscious, asleep, not woken up yet. And if you are listening right now and you are one of those people, I don't want you to shame yourself. I want you to meet yourself where you're at. And what I mean is you cannot physically, it's not possible. There are no time machines yet. You cannot go back and change and be better sooner, but you can be better now. And you can be better now by meeting yourself where you're at and saying, what don't I know? Um, one of the questions that I have, we have one black neighbor on our street, husband and wife, and I see, um, we're not close to all of our neighbors by any means, but we've reached out to people on kind of other sides of us and we never reached out to them. They live two houses down across the street and we've never reached out. And that just broke my heart. Um, not out of any intentional bias. We always wave, but we've never gone down and said hi. And I'm wondering that now as things are shifting, I don't think that we want, uh, I don't think, I'm putting words in your mouth, but I'm just going to say it. I don't think that the black community wants white people to just have black friends to have black friends. But I do feel just like there is an economic redistribution that does need to shift. How do we be conscious of 
connecting with people of color who really um, we connect with just as human beings. We're aligned with, we vibe with. What does that look like? Yeah, that's hard because I think, um, I think it depends on where you make friends, right? Like I will say that once I moved to Texas, a lot of majority of my friends that I made were all from kid activities. Yeah. Right. So that's going to be a reflection of the moms who had their kids in a particular sport um, or perhaps at work. So it depends. It's going to depend on what your coworkers look like and what type of work environment. If you're working from home, you may or may not have that opportunity to develop a relationship. Um, and so I think sometimes our French, it just happens that way. It's just not even intentional. Like I will admit, I don't really have any close um, white friends. And it's not because I wouldn't. It's just been because it's like I spent so many years, you're at work, residency, and you come home. There wasn't a whole lot of time to be hanging out with people. And then, I mean, you start adding children and then you have no life. You are <laughs> in you're in the gym, you're at swimming lessons, and uh, sometimes life just happens. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I mean, speaking for myself, I wouldn't judge anyone who did not have any Black friends. Mm-hmm. I feel that as long as you treat everyone with respect and you treat them the same across the board, people can sense that. Like I go to work, I'm best friends with everybody. Yeah. <laughs> I will joke and laugh and I have a good time interacting with people of all races. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Um, quick, quick question. What made you want to turn to, it's kind of an off topic, I guess. Um, want to turn to the angels? Like what made you do that? Go more deep into spirituality and think about angels and I guess. That is a good question. I think like a, like a lot of people, sometimes um, when you hit like a low, right? Mm-hmm. Um, some people I've heard dark night of the soul, whatever you want to call it. I think you start grasping for straws, right? you just like, okay, I can't stay here. I don't feel good. I need to pull myself out of this funk. I'm not sure what's going on. And you really just start thinking about things you hadn't really considered before. And I can't really put my finger on exactly what happened. I know law of attraction popped up out of nowhere. I have no clue how I came across this law of attraction. Like I bought the law of attraction book, forgot I had it even. I'm like, oh yeah, this is what happened. But as far as the angels, I know I did, um, you know, that they say there's no such thing as coincidence, right? I was going to a metaphysical store to get, oh, 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 I do know what happened kind of. So I was working far away from my house, right? And I had heard the term Reiki before and didn't really know too much about it. So I would pass this store almost every day, uh, leaving work to start my one hour commute back home. So I got off early one day, which was unusual. And I rode past, I saw Reiki. I'm like, "Eh, okay. And then something said, turn around and just go back. You have time today. So I made a U-turn, went into this store and it was the most kind, genuine, um, this man that worked at the store. 
and he was very welcoming. They sold crystals and, you know, candles and sage and everything. So I come in and he was very welcoming and he could tell I was a newbie and he considered himself to be intuitive. And he told me like, you know, I don't sense any negative energy like around you. Like I was going through some stuff at the time, but he just seemed to be very impressed that to be in my profession and, and interacting with a lot of people uh, that I didn't seem to be carrying anything negative with me. He's like, you know, things come and go. And he told me which crystals I needed to carry with me to protect myself from any negative energy that I may pick up from just being in facilities, interacting with a lot of patients. And so ever since then, I don't go anywhere for the most part without my black tourmaline and my pink tourmaline. And it kind of caused me to start reading about crystals. And I think that's how I stumbled across um, just learning more about the angels. And so I, I visited a different metaphysical store that was bigger and better, but this guy was very personable. I mean, he would, you know, kind of take the selenite and be like, oh, you know, I'm sensing something here. He was so welcoming. And he actually gave me instructions on saging my house. This other place was just bigger, had more offerings. And I walked in one day and they had a sign in the front that said like angel readings. And I'm like, eh, okay. And I walk in, I inquired while I was buying my crystals and they're like, oh, there's a, there's a cancellation. We never get cancellations. So if you want an angel reading, you can actually get it right now. And I said, okay. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then I, I had the reading with the woman and it was really nice. And she like told me a list of angels that she sent were around me a lot. And then I don't know, then I became angel obsessed. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. Is there anything in um, what you found on your spiritual journey, uh, Denise? Because this is something that I really want to be sensitive to and I really want to take a deeper dive into. I think it's just um, something that I have to prepare myself that it needs to be a journey and not a sprint. I keep telling that to myself too because I'm trying to read as much as possible, but there's so much to <clears throat> there's so much to digest, but the spiritual bypass keeps coming up and spirit is really honing in on this for me because it's where, um, we need to dive deeper as the podcast community here into it. And that means be bringing other experts on to talk about it. But I'm wondering if when reading different spiritual books, if you've thought, saw, seen things and been like, that's spiritual bypass, you know, like when you speak this way, you are bypassing my feelings. Um, I don't know if I quite understand. Um, do you mean like when we talk, like you read about maintaining a high vibration or if there's something that I, I feel like uh, reading books, like um, super attractor, right? Mm -hmm. I started reading some. Um, Gabrielle Bernstein. Yeah, yeah, I started re reading through it again last night. And that's kind of what came to mind because it's like the premise is, and I'm not, you know, bad talking her book, of course, but it said like, you should be trying to feel good. Like you, that's what you should get. And then to, that should be your goal for the most part. And if you start to feel bad, you should try to redirect. And there's all these kind of things to do to change the way you're feeling at the moment. Yeah. But I like the way 
to me, that kind of sounds like bypassing it and not really processing things. Mm -hmm. And I do appreciate what you recommend, which is more so um, what am I feeling, kind of labeling it, and then asking yourself, what do I need? And sometimes you ask yourself that and you're like, no, you, I need to feel this right now. I need to process it. And in other times, it's like, no, you need to get out of that funk and pull your energy back and don't allow it to bring you down in this particular moment. Yeah. Um, so I think um, it's good to stay positive all the time, but other times you really do need to let things sink in and then figure out what you can do and what you need to do from there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's what I see too, you know, um, and I feel like there's just different life occurrences and these can be any life occurrences that come up. But for me, um, my dad, I witnessed him cheating on my mom twice in my life. And he, he would try and convince me that I didn't see what I saw in different ways. And it's, stuff like that when people try and make you feel like you're crazy right like and i see that now as a white person looking and reading and listening that us just not acknowledging saying this isn't happening you have to stick up for the police too or all lives matter or this or that no like yes um at one point like on the other side the highest vibration that is is all that is it's god it's universe it's source it's all of our vibrations of all the droplets combined but at the same time in our human form here on earth if we're not doing our work and our work is to see the lives that each of us are born into the separate that does divide us or the judgments that we do hold subconsciously, the, the passism, the, the silence. If we don't do our work, there's a different level of spiritual awakening. I don't believe that we get to, right? Because we're taking a bypass around it and if we were meant to be in that highest vibration, that is, that is actually one step beyond heaven. Cause I want people to understand this. So we are here on the physical plane and I actually believe that there are different places where you can have a physical existence. A lot of people say earth is the hardest one. I'm not sure if that's true. It's one of the hardest ones. Um, but then there is this level of going home, right, to the other side. The physical existences that we're in right now, this one on earth, it's really about being in duality, that there is no duality on the other side in heaven because you got to think about it this way, the way that people communicate in heaven is actually telepathic. So if I was to hurt Divya or if I am to hurt Denise and say something out of judgment, not only do I feel their emotion that it emits and, and presents within their physical body as a reaction to what I said, I feel their pain and then I feel pain for saying it within myself. And so there isn't any of that on the other side. It is peace, love, joy, bliss, ease, and grace, but we're not there. And 
one step beyond that is where we go home and everything is one. And I used to be really scared of that highest vibration, that highest dimension of going home after you spend eons in heaven, right? Because it's like, but I'll miss my friends. I'll miss my family. I'll miss my experiences. And spirit in meditation one day said, no, Julie, you're all of it all at once. And, and yet we're not at that third highest vibration and we're not in heaven right now. And we're not there for a reason. We're in this place of duality for a reason. And that means that while we will be in those states of being on the other side, doing our work, being part of the duality here, understanding, bringing about change is so incredibly important to our path and our journey here as souls. And I like that um, when you were speaking, I just, I think if people... I feel that some people have a fear that um, if they kind of watch too much or expose themselves, like just watch overall what's going on, like the news clips and everything, then it may be going against, I don't know, it may challenge what their beliefs have been about black people or minorities or whatever else. But I would urge people to, be uncomfortable for a minute and actually watch some of the interviews that happened during the protests because people are making very valid points. And it's not just about watching footage of the looting or of police brutality, like mixed in there, buried in there are some really, really, really good interviews of people sharing their experience, experiences or even just making points that that you may not have thought about. And it's an opportunity to learn. And it's not saying if you watch the video, you're supporting people burning down buildings. If you watch and see the unrest, it's about learning. Mm -hmm. And that is an opportunity to do that. If you don't have the opportunity or don't feel comfortable going to someone yourself, you can learn so much about different people's experiences by just listening to what they say when someone else asks a question. Explain um, that more. Give an example. Um, just like um, some of the, the interviews that I've watched when they've just kind of pulled someone from the crowd and they've spoken about what their particular experience has been with the police or sometimes even more so is you see, wow, this person is not there to cause trouble. This person is here out of love and support, and they actually want to see change. They're not angry at all. Yeah. And I've seen a lot of that and a lot of beautiful points made and people being well-spoken and people being out there with their families and just being supportive and not angry and sharing experiences and learning from others out there. It's turned into like this whole, it's really become beautiful uh, in a lot of parts of the country where there are protests. And there's just so many opportunities to learn from other people's perspective. And then, then your assumptions can kind of go away for why people are there. People say, oh, protesters, they just want to block traffic. But there's families there and they say, this is a historic moment. I want to teach my children that this is how you can bring attention and awareness to things to affect change. And 
we can learn from each other simply by listening. Yeah. Totally and, and there's, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Divya. Oh, I just said totally agree. <laughs> That's all. Yeah. And you know what I found too this week is that there are black women who have created courses for white people to take in order to unpack um, their biases, their subconscious biases, to look at the privilege that they have had their whole lives and to really do what I'm going to call spiritual shadow work right? To look at that shadow within us that we haven't wanted to see because it, it doesn't feel good, right? And being in that highest state of being and feeling good all the time, it's not for here. It's for the yeah. other side. And for, I'll say one thing that may be challenging for Black people, it's like you, um, because there are lots of, I, I know the word triggering, and this is over, overused sometimes, but it reminds us of the struggles from many, many years ago. And so sometimes you find yourself being in this place of, I'm angry. (laughs) And I know I'm supposed to be focusing on love and peace, but right now I'm very, 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 very angry. That's, I'm not speaking for myself, but that's maybe where someone is at a particular moment. And so then you're stuck with, I'm angry. I'm fine being angry. I don't want to move out of this place. Like, I don't want to talk peace and I don't want to talk about love. Like I'm just angry. And so that's, that's kind of been hard for me, but I've found some way to kind of take in what's going on, but not take it on. And because I've had friends that have just been like devastated and like crying and they're like, how you have three sons. How can you not be just like sad all day with what's going on? And I'm like, I'm totally aware of what's going on. I definitely take in things, but I don't want to take on the hurt and anger so much. I want to bring awareness to it. I will do my part, but try to separate so much of the hurt and, and anger. I think a lot of people are struggling with that now. I have been listening to uh, Lee Cordell. She is a um, woman on Facebook who's been speaking a lot. And she has been speaking so much about um, white women, black women, everyone right now. Take care of yourself, right? Okay. We're in this news story. We're in this news cycle. It doesn't end with the news cycle. So take care of yourself. Get that self-care in that you need because this isn't a two-week journey. This is a lifelong journey. And so that means that is it in action, right? Don't have it be a sprint. Don't wear yourself out. Um, And to your point too, I think there's been a lot of times where spirit has been saying, it started with coronavirus. I just started blocking people like crazy on Facebook, like can't stand seeing this, can't stand seeing this, Uh, bye-bye. And um, yeah, spiritual Julie over here, just blocking everybody over on Facebook. And I started doing that at the beginning of the week because I'm like, I just, I can't, I can't, I can't. And um, spirits like, Julie, you're, you're not allowing people in the future who are going to be at a point in the future to hear this message, to see it at that time. So they said, please stop blocking people. (laughs) Blocking time out, (laughs) dude. 
My ego did not want to listen. <laughs> Just five more blocks, please. Please, please. Yes. When you yeah. block people, you're like, but they're toxic. And you're like, wait, this is their chance to learn. It's, just, it's a hard place to be. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um, uh, Divya, do you have any other questions? Um, not for now. Okay. Yeah. I just want to thank you, Divya, so much for this idea and for being my co-host today on the show. Denise, thank you for being here and thank you for opening up sincerely and just totally about your life experiences, um, how you feel. This is where healing starts. And I am so thankful to you for um just your willingness to share your experiences openly for our podcast listeners to hear. No problem. It was my pleasure. And I appreciate mm. you for inviting me into this forum so I could share my experiences. Thank, thank you. you so much, Denise. Um, also, thank you for giving me the opportunity, um, Julie, for, you know, this is something I've been passionate about a good part of my life because the way you get treated and the way um, you feel things and you're just like, why don't people see things the way I see it? Yeah. Um, so I definitely want to thank you for giving me an opportunity to speak here for sure. Um, and Denise, I hope, I hope you feel better from all this and I hope uh, that you stay safe and also help i guess in any way possible to people um helping them educate i think that's the biggest thing we need to move forward with for sure thank you divya nice meeting you me too yeah. and julie yeah, yeah. and i want to put one last thing up there i i have heard from a lot of people too um we don't want to just go inundate and call the black people that we know and say, teach me, right? Um, so I feel like the black women that I have been learning from this week have been shouting from the rooftops, I'm tired, I'm exhausted. And there are programs set up to teach you. So there are resources. And um, in the show notes of this podcast are all of the beautiful, amazing, talented women that I have been listening to this week, their podcasts. Um, there are also classes that they have put together where you can, and I think some of them are $55, just learn. So anybody listening who wants to learn, I really encourage you to pay for this information and to learn from um, an expert who has structured a class for you to learn this information so that we're not overwhelming uh, our black brothers and sisters and tapping out their energy because you need self-care too right now. Yeah. And the best thing to do is just speak up. That's the best thing you can absolutely do is to not allow, well, just voice your opinion when people do um, attempt to perpetuate things. That's the best thing. You don't even have to come to us. You can, you can, do things on your own, on our behalf. Yeah. Yes, I heard, that's like the best message. S educate yourself, self-educate. White people need to self-educate so that they can educate other white people. 
I like that. Mm-hmm. Yes. Thank you both so much for being on the show. If there's anybody out there listening who has a story of racism that they want to share, that they have experienced themselves, um, I would love to have you on the show. If there's somebody who is an active anti-racist advocate. Um, I would love to feature people who have been working in this um, for years who are experts. We need their information. If you know people who are talking about spiritual bypassing, uh, we need to know who they are so that we can reach out to them and have them on the show as well. Um, So thank you both so much again. Thank you, Julie. Thanks. Of course. Have a blessed day. Thanks. You too. Bye. Bye.